Today we have a message from God that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 3 verses 23 to 28. And I want to tell you a story that just recently happened. After months of preparations with helicopters lifting cable to the rooftops and road closings and clearances from the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration and from the Coast Guard, with residents being asked not to use even laser pointers, camera flashes, or drones that could produce some sort of interference, and with even foot grilling being prohibited because of the smoke, 35-year-old Nick Wallenda wowed the city of Chicago and those watching around the world on TV on Sunday, November 2, 2014 with two skyscraper crossings on the high wire without a safety net or a harness. All he had was his rod, was holding on tight to that rod for balance. Thousands of cheering fans packed the streets of Chicago to watch the year to the flying Wallenda's family business complete the back-to-back -back walks including one wearing a blindfold. And while the blindfold obviously adds to the difficulty of that task, some people might argue that it reduced Mr. Wallenda's exposure to potential distractions. So here is a man, Nick Wallenda, holding on to a simple, simply to a rod, and deliberately not willing to see what was before him. Well, in our Bible text today, we have a man, a hero, a real hero, that somehow was hanging on to his own wishes, and that's something which almost prevented him from seeing what was before him. Scripture describes this hero as a man of prayer, but all throughout his victorious life of prayer, he had one big disappointment when the response to his most earnest prayer was no. And today, we'll be able to find out in the Bible that some answers to our prayers are just frustrating. When? Because God has a different and always a better provision for us. So before we open the Bible, I'm going to pray that God will inspire us today. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity, and now as we open the Bible, as we open your word, may we hear simply that, your word, the message you have for us today. Please be with me, that nothing personal would come up at this point, that no personal idea or opinion would transpire, but only your message for us today. I ask you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verses 23 to 28. That's one of the hardest words to say in, even in Portuguese. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verses 23 to 28. Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O oh Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth 
who can do anything like your works or your mighty deeds. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because, you know why? Because he struck the rock when he should have only spoken to it. And striking the rock at that point demonstrated impatience on his part, a rash reaction because of the people, and he took the matter in his own hands. He yielded to the throng's pressure, endorsing their limited view of God's power. Their limited view of God as a provider. So he is subdued to that and he struck the rock. And there is a spiritual lesson right there. Because the rock being a symbol of Christ needed to be struck only once. Not twice. Moses once had struck the rock for water and that was fine but not the second time. And as soon as Moses struck the rock... What happened? Water gushed out of it, still, abundantly. And the people and their livestock had abundance of water to satisfy their thirst. Right there, right on the spot though, God made it clear to Moses the severity of his mistake. And God would not allow Moses nor Aaron to inherit the land, to lead the people all the way into the promised land. And the reasons for that decision are explained quite clearly, clearly in God's statement that we find in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. Numbers 20, 12. And God said this, Because you did not believe me, to howl me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you, meaning Moses and Aaron, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. No way. Well, that sentence was repeated in Numbers 27, verses 12 to 14. But this time, God added an element of grace. Because even though Moses would not be able to bring the people all the way into the promised land, he would be allowed to have a panoramic vision of the land. So Moses would go up to the mountains and gaze at the land that would be given to the people. Now following that, Moses still speaks with God, he speaks passionately. And he's speaking on behalf of the people. He's asking the Lord that the Lord would provide someone able to lead the people into the promised land. And that we find in the following verses, Numbers 27, 15 through 18. Numbers 27, 15 through 18. And Moses spoke to the Lord saying this, see how, how uh, altruistic... 
He was not selfish at all. Moses was saying here, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, take him with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. So here we see one example, and only one, there were many, where Moses was really selfishless. And he had a, a real interest in the good of the people. And he's interceding for the people. He's interceding for the congregation before God. Moses, decade after decade in the wilderness, he never tired to hear the complaints of the people. He never tired to listen to the people. And he never tired to intercede to God on behalf of the people. And you know, as I think of it, I'm sure that the best years of Moses' youth, when he was there in Egypt, you remember he was raised up in, he, was, he grew up in Egypt, and he was raised by the, the daughter of the Pharaoh, and he attended probably, certainly, the best schools. Uh, what's the school here? Parkdale in Belleville, the public school here. So he probably attended a better school than Parkdale was or is. He went to the best places, to the best university. But I'm not convinced that anything of that helped Moses be a wise man. I would say that it were, it were the 40 years he spent after that in the field taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Those 40 years as a shepherd prepared him to take care of the people of Israel. Well, you know, I've been, I've been a musician for many years. And I remember uh, that I started taking lessons, uh, piano lessons at the, age, at the age of eight. I was eight years old. And actually, I never really wanted it. My mom had, had me do it. So she said, yes, you were taking piano lessons. My, me and my sister, my older sister. But I actually thank her because uh, as I was taking piano lessons, it made me aware that I had, I had some natural ability for it. I had, I had the ability, I had the talent. But you know, when I was young, people would come up to me and would say, would ask me as I was playing piano at the church, they would ask me, if I start taking piano lessons now, how long do you think I would be able, it would take me for me to be able to, to play at the church and play hymns or... And that's a very unfair question because it depends. It depends on many factors. Depends on, on your perseverance. Depend, depends on whether or not you have prowess. So I, I would say, well, maybe in six months you should be able to play something. But that's, it's not a guarantee. There's no guarantee to that. But I tell you one thing. When, when prowess is not necessarily a requirement... And you feel the urge to do something. You feel like you have something to do. Don't wait like Moses until you are 80 years old. Just go and do it. And if you feel the Lord is, is telling you to do something. He's moving. He's touching your heart. You feel this genuine desire to do something. Just go and do it. And pray and the Lord will be with you. Because it took four years in Egypt. 
And 40 more years in the wilderness, wilderness for Moses finally to figure out what his mission was. Moses now is, is then leading the people. And after another 40 years leading the people in the wilderness, he is now recounting the history of Israel to the people. And it is at this point, they are almost bordering the promised land. They are at the border of the Jordan. They are almost there. Moses, right here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, he starts recounting the story, the history of the people of Israel. And he's recounting all the blessings, all the miracles that God provided to them all the way from their exodus. Moses is repeating the story, but with some detail. He's giving the people a lot of detail about those 40 years. He gave up 40 years of his life for this ministry. 40 years listening to the people and, and bearing with all their complaints and everything. But then he comes to the point where he, he talks about one, one, and only one personal request he had for God. And you know, over the course of time, I'm sure that as he was leading the people towards the promised land, and he was thinking about the promised land, and that was the main subject of conversations. We're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. And Moses was certainly caught on by that. He also wanted to go there to the promised land, but he knew God wouldn't allow him. But he thought, why? Why can I... Why can't I just ask God maybe that He may help me and He may, may grant me this, this wish, this desire. So I don't think it's any hard for all of us here to sympathize with Moses. Because I believe there is at least one thing, at least one thing in your life. If you had to drop everything else and you, have, and you had the right to only one prayer request... I'm sure you'd have one. I'm sure you'd have one prayer request you could present to God. And that, you know, it's, it's those prayer requests I'm talking about, not those small things in life. Things that maybe you think about today and tomorrow you forget. You know, as our children are growing up, they, they come to us and they ask for something, and they insist, and they ask, and they ask, and they ask. But sometimes if you don't give them, tomorrow they will, they will have forgotten about that. They, they won't come back for that. And at the end of the day, it was probably not that important. And in our life, there, is, there are things like that as well. That we may ask God, but they're not really all that important. But this was really important to Moses. And what I'm talking here is about those prayer requests that keep you up all night long. Those prayer requests that make you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, concerned with that, and you kneel down and you pray over and over again about it. I'm talking about crises that come to your life. I'm talking about issues that nobody else, nobody else cares. Those are the prayer requests that if you had only one chance, only one, you would pray for that. Questions that pervade your mind, existential questions, questions that you think, what am, what am I doing here? What am I here for? What's the purpose? 
of my existence? What is God's plan for me? That's how serious it was for Moses. Because after 40 years, after 40 years of service, of almost perfect service, almost a perfect clean service record, he feels that it's time to ask God again that God will allow him to go to the promised land. And how did God respond to that? How did God respond to that? Yeah, God not only said no, but God was angry. God was angry with him. And like, just like a father would say to his son, he said, enough of it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I've told you no several times. And that's it. I'm not even talking about it again. That's what the Bible says. Don't ever bring that subject to me again. Don't talk to me about that again. That's it. That's over. Enough of it. So, total disappointment for Moses right there. And you and I here today, we, we read this and we think about it. Why? Why would a loving father, why would a loving God, why would a caring father be so harsh on Moses? After all he had done for the people. Why have you and I prayed over and over for a blessing? For the past month, for the past five years, for the past 20 years, for the past 25 years. And we never get that blessing. We never see that materialize. Why? Why does God act like that? Why does God say no? Well, notice how Moses formulates his prayer here in verses 25 and 20, uh, 24, 25. He says, O Lord, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your might, mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? <clears throat> Please, Lord, let me go over. And see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. Now look how God responds. God says no. But the second part of it, in verse 27, God says, You go up to the top of Mount Pisgah, and you lift up your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. And you know, there was a time in our lives, there was a time in our experiences when we allowed God to start working in our lives. So think about this. You first started walking with God and you were really excited about it. And you were really happy because you'd pray to God and God would answer immediately. You'd bring a prayer request and need to God and God, God would answer almost immediately. You'd ask for good weather today and for no rain tomorrow and God would grant it to you. And you remember about this, how it really felt good. That you would think, you would, think you would ask things to God and God would provide it for you immediately. What a loving father. But that was just the beginning of your experience. And maybe you are at that point now and that's fine. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for many years. 
And after that beginning, someone else comes after that. It is not to say that what comes after the beginning is not as good as the beginning, but things change. Why? Because God wants to bring us to the point where we will be willing to move from some basic spiritual lessons to deeper ones. God is still the provider. He still takes care of us. But He wants you to grow in your relationship with Him. He wants you to grow beyond this. Even when His answer is silence, or even when His answer is no, you're still supposed to trust Him. And that's what He wants. We should never forget what God has done for us. But in the process of saving us, His desire is that you and I look forward to the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. We should always keep in mind why God brought us here. But we must look forward to the completion of His work in us. Our relationship with God is not just made of the beginning, but it's a constant walk with Him. And you see, for someone, you remember how Moses told God, Oh Lord, I can't really be the leader. I can't really be the one who is going to take the people out of Egypt. Because I can't even, what? I can't even speak. I'm not able to speak. But you look now how he, how he, uh, how he crafted, how he constructed this beautiful prayer. For someone who said he was not articulate, I tell you. This was really, really well done. And he says, Oh Lord, there is no God like you. And it's such a beautiful prayer. But you know, he, he could never ever impose his personal plan upon God's master plan. And that's something we cannot do it. We cannot do. We're not supposed to impose our plan, our desires upon what God has for us. And of course, if it were only for Moses, he would have crossed the river. He would have gone into the promised land. But God had something different in mind. We have to let go of, of the rods that we think that keep us in balance. We need to get rid of, of the blindfolds, of our personal wishes, our personal opinions. And we need to allow God to be God. We need to let God be God in our lives. God told Moses to go to the top of the mountain. He wanted, mountain, he wanted Moses to have this mountaintop experience. He wanted Moses to go up and contemplate the goodly land. There was much more to it than Moses could ever have imagined. And God tells Moses to lift up his eyes. To go to the mountain, lift up his eyes and, and look westward and northward and southward and eastward. And behold the land and see it and look at it with his eyes. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this. Because there are two elements here in this passage. Two elements that make me feel absolutely convinced. That God's plan was for Moses not only to have a glimpse of the promised land, a glimpse of Canaan. But God's plan was also 
to bring Moses to see something else. And why do I believe this? Because the Hebrew word here for see, to beho for behold, for look at, go up and, and look at, behold, northward, eastward, eastward, uh, southward. The Hebrew word there for behold is the same word that is used in, in other instances in the Bible in reference to prophetic visions. Like for example in Daniel, Daniel says, I saw this. I saw an animal, I saw a, a, a ram, I saw a goat, I saw this, I saw that. That's the same verb. And it's the same verb that Jeremiah uses. It's the same verb that Isaiah uses. So that's for me an indication that God had something beyond, you know, beyond just the human side for him. Also, the very expressions north, south, East, West, are also finding in divine revelation in prophecy in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. So I'm absolutely convinced that God's plan was for Moses to go up there to the top of the mountain and to have a glimpse of Canaan, the land where the people would just, was just about to get to. But God also wanted to give him a vision of the future. And right there, Moses had this panoramic vision of what was to come. Moses saw in vision the people of Israel getting into the promised land. He saw, unfortunately, their apostasy. He saw the time when Jesus would come to, the, to earth. He saw himself speaking to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he saw the course of the Christian church through the ages. And still in vision, he saw the day when Jesus would come a second time to finally rescue his people. He saw all of that right there at the top of Mount Pisgah. That's what we see written in Hebrews chapter 11, 26. Hebrews 11, 26, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. So Moses had a clear vision of the reward that was put ahead of him. Yes, Moses saw it. Moses had a vision of the glorious future God had for him and for you and for the Christian church. But it took him years, years of training. Training in God's school. It took him years to let go of his own will. To let go of his own presuppositions and opinions and allowing God to be God. So no matter where you are today in your spiritual journey, no matter where you are, you should never dwell on your past. Whether you're proud of things you have done or whether you're ashamed of them, it doesn't matter. Don't look back. Because God has a vision for you. And we should never let our past, whether good or bad, whether uh, a, a reason for pride or shame, we should never last let our past dictate our future. Because God knows better. And God has a better plan for you and I. So I don't know today what kind of blindfolds are, are blinding you in your life. I don't know today what kind of rods you're hanging on to. I don't know what kind of fine line you're walking. 
All I know is that God is inviting you to a mountaintop experience. God is inviting you to go beyond anything elemental in your experience with Him. God is inviting you to grow in faith, to grow in your spiritual experience. And this will be something you will never regret. So how, how do we enter into this deeper experience with God? God is calling you. God is calling you to pray more. God is calling you to read more His Word. God is calling you to pray and read and be silent so He can talk to you. God is calling you to a daily communion with Him. And this is your job. This is your responsibility. I cannot do it for you. If I were to do it for you, I would let go of my personal devotion. And that would be irresponsible. I'm looking for myself. And in that point, each one is responsible for their act. So you, you have to look, at, uh, look after that for yourself. You have to keep your communion, your devotion with God daily. No matter how many appointments you have in your day. Make it your plan to start your day with God. If you, don't have many, if you don't have enough hours to do what you have to do in your day. Well, wake up an hour earlier. That's all I can say. And dedicate that time to God. If you don't have enough time during the day, maybe drop some appointments. It will be worth it. Because God is inviting you to something beyond. God is inviting you to have a closer walk with Him. So that's my challenge for you today. And maybe you've been walking with the Lord for many years. But still you don't see answers to your prayer. God is calling you also for a deeper experience with Him. If you want to come to the mountaintop. If you want God to reveal His plan for you. The first thing you need to do is to take a stand for God. And I'm going to appeal to you today. In a symbolic way. Let's think that the, the very pew you're sitting. This comfortable pew with this cushion. Is, is something you need to leave behind. So I, I'm going to ask you. If you're really willing to, to walk with God. And have this deeper experience with Him. By reading the Bible more. By praying more. And by listening more to what God has for you. I'm going to ask you to stand. But don't just stand because everyone else is standing. You don't have to. You're not obligated to. There is no obligation here. But if you feel like you want to have a closer walk with God, please stand. Leave everything behind. And God, God will welcome you at the top of the mountain. God is waiting for you there. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the decisions that have been made here. And Lord, I know you have angels right there in heaven who are watching us. They are watching over us. And they're, they're, they're seeing what's happening here. And they've seen your faithful servants stand up here now, Lord. And this is a serious commitment because we've done this in response to an appeal. Nobody here is obligated to do this, but we have stood up because we understand you're calling us. So, Lord, I know your angels are taking note of this right there in heaven. 
And they're taking note of this. Because later on, you're going to send them down here. With a task of supporting us and helping us through. And as we leave this place, many things may happen in our lives. We're not even sure if we're going to be alive tomorrow. And we're going to have challenges over the week. But please, Lord, help us to stay connected to you. So that nothing, nothing that we'll see and do and have come to us this week. May nothing, no thing ever separate us from our commitment to you. May we stand firm to this commitment. And may your angels and your Holy Spirit help us. I ask you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.